Hi, I'm Elizabeth Benoist, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Carly Lane. And I'm Morgan Glennon. And since we don't really have any news to report, this is kind of a first in, in, a, in a little while because normally we have lots of news, but we don't have any. So uh, we're going to get straight to our discussion of the season two episode of Supergirl titled Crossfire. The official description reads, quote, Supergirl must beat a ruthless new gang who has been armed with dangerous new alien technology. When Cadmus sends a video to the DEO, the team realizes Cadmus is the one staffing the criminals for a secret mission. Meanwhile, Kara gets Monel a job as an intern at Catco. James makes an important decision, and Lena invites Kara to attend one of her fundraisers, unquote. Uh, so this episode had a lot going on, shocking reveals, um, some life changes. Uh, so <laughs> it was a big episode this week. Uh, so I, I personally, this, cause this is my favorite part of the episode and it is also kind of a big deal. It's a big part of the episode. Um, but I think we should start talking about the big Cadmus stuff and the stuff with the doctor. Um, so what did everybody think about the Cadmus aspects of this episode? Um, Carly, uh, what, what did you think about Cadmus and the doctor and the Lena Luther reveal? What a good twist. And one we didn't get spoiled for. Aren't I you know. Happy? I'm so happy. <laughs> take I, that paparazzi. Yeah, take I that Vancouver. Really, <laughs> I was really surprised I didn't see it coming. And it was one of those things where they definitely did not play up that she had a connection to anybody until earlier in the episode when she mentioned having kids and I was like, Hmm, so she has a family and interesting. Cause they kind of brought that in as her motivation. She, you know, she tells the guy, I think minor, whatever his name is, the, the robber, she's like, Oh yeah, I'm doing this for my children. Like I'm trying to get rid of the aliens, you know, to make the world better or whatever. And, and then you find out that, Oh, her kids are the Luthers and you're like, but then that puts an entirely different spin on you're doing this for your kids, but also one of them's in prison <laughs> because Lex is in prison at this point in Canon. Um, do, you, do you think this is some sort of uh, like retribution for Lex being in prison? Or do you think she's just being a maternal? Maybe, you know? maybe a little yeah, bit. I, I think the same thing. Yeah. I think, I think she probably is holding a, a little bit of a grudge against I'm sure it has Superman and by extension Supergirl because it sounds like Superman was the one who put Lex in prison. So I'm sure she's that's part of it. 
Like that, that might have even been part of the reason why she's starting this whole. But then I also have to wonder, you know, she's this very capable scientist and leader. And part of me wonders, it sounds like a lot of this has been going on for a while anyway, like kind of covertly. This is only really the first time that they've, you know, come public with their with their intentions. Morgan, what were your thoughts on the Dr. Lena Luther connection and the Cadmus stuff in the episode? Yeah, I thought that was interesting, too. I definitely didn't call it. Um, I tend to be pretty bad at calling those kinds of things anyway, because I just like to be surprised. I don't even like to try to, like, speculate. But when she said earlier in the episode the thing about having a daughter and a son, I thought for a second kind of a weird fact to drop about yourself like just (laughs) randomly to some like robber strangers but I I didn't think too much of it and then when she like walks in at the end I went oh my god she's got a daughter and a son (laughs) like it all came together for me I thought it was such a clever reveal because I think it it explains her motivations so then I don't feel like you have to go into this like tortured villain backstory with her now like we've got it like she's a Luther like we don't have to like find out I mean I want to find out more about her, but we don't have to have like a ton of like motivation about why she's doing this because I think that that scene, just her coming in and it turns out that she's Lena and Lex's mother, like that, that's pretty big motivation. Yeah, I I thought it was really funny because she does say specifically like I'm fighting for a noble cause, you know, I'm fighting for my children and then she very specifically says my son and my daughter. <laughs> um and it was funny because I didn't really make the connections when she said that, but when she came into Lena's office, I was like, "Oh, please let Lena be her daughter, please." <laughs> so I was very excited because the doctor is one of my favorite things in season 2 of Supergirl so far. And the Lena aspect of that, the connection there has made her so much more interesting than she already was for me. So I was all over this. Uh, I think it was a good twist. I think it was something that made me excited to see where it goes because I don't know. And this is another question. Do you all think that Lena likes her mother? Like, is this is this her... Uh, is this her biological mother or is this her like adoptive mother? Is this Lex's mother? Cause they I don't, think it's the adoptive specify- mom. Okay. Yeah. I think it's the adoptive mom, but it also sounds, it seemed to me like in the, in the one line of dialogue we get, <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's tough to infer, but honestly it seemed to me like she, she was not happy to see her. Yeah. Like she was like, what can I do for you, mom? Like she yeah, was she, was very she was not very pleased that her that her mom showed up. It seemed very cold the reception that she gave her mom. So I don't think that they're like you know going out for mani pedis. <laughs> they, they might have a, a real close relationship. Yeah, I don't know. I think that'll be fascinating because in the Luther history with their family, there is usually some sort of form of abuse. Um, with, you know, Lex and his father, you know, those kinds of things. So I, I wonder if they'll, because we know that the doctor is pretty capable of some seriously nasty stuff. That bit at the end where she kind of gets rid of the the gang members who could ID her, yeah. like they say. She ties up the loose ends. Yeah, know? she ties up the loose end by, um, you know. Uh, basic- I mean, she told him not to do it. Well, she did give him a warning. That is fair. She was like, real talk, don't do this. And they were like, I am anyway. And she's like, I'll blow up your mind later. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, I guess that's fair. I mean, she did give him a warning, but uh, yeah. So I, I think she's a great villain, and I'm very excited to see what she does with Lena because Lena so far has been, I'm trying to be the good Luther. I'm trying to do good things and and you know be a better person than Lex. So I wonder if her her mother. Uh, is going to have any kind of effect on her. And I was laughing throughout the the episode because of their wardrobe. I've been like eyeballing it uh, just because I am fascinating by, I'm fascinated by the color choices. And so like the doctor has, you know, in one scene, she's got head to toe all in black with her, you know, her, her cronies. And then when she's in Lena's office, she's wearing all white. And so when Lena is at the fundraiser, she's in all black. And then when she, uh, when Supergirl goes to see Lena Luther in her office, Lena's wearing all white. So I thought that was really interesting that they've kind of played with the black and white. Um, uh, I know that's kind of a silly thing to um, keep track of, but I, I just think that's fascinating because there's there's this uh, good and bad thing going on with Lena, I think, and with uh, the doctor. Maybe she's just trying to portray herself as good. Uh, with Lena, so I think I think that's interesting. That's like a very soap opera thing. Too, yeah, that's the same. Like they used to do that on Smallville all the time. Like you could tell, like a character was turning towards the dark side. With like suddenly Lana wouldn't be wearing pink; she'd be wearing black, and you're like, "Ooh, it's bad, Lana." <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, they put bad Lana in like red, red and black always. Yes, <laughs> you'd be like, "Ooh, Lana's behaving badly." Um, I will say that the the scene where the where the burglar the lead burglar guy pulls a gun on the doctor and she just kind of stares at him like really you're gonna you're gonna do that oh man that's so, probably my favorite moment she just stares down she stares him down and just says no i think you're gonna put that away yeah and i i enjoyed that she um she walked away from that guy because he wanted to go after the lena luther fundraiser and she was like you know, don't underestimate Lena Luther, and she she wouldn't have anything to do with it. And I think it's you know obviously because Lena is her daughter. So I yeah she um she had a lot of things to say about the Luther. She she called the Luther smart and dangerous, and that you wouldn't want to go up against them. And I think she proved uh, that statement correct. So um, I'm very curious. This is probably the most I've been excited about Supergirl season two uh, because I'm very excited to see where this goes. I'm excited about it too because um, in in Smallville they played so much with um, with Lex and Lionel, his father Lionel and they're like really twisted and not at all healthy relationship <laughs> and I like that. I mean it's a very Supergirl thing to, to like maybe pull in that same dynamic but have it be a mother and daughter. I think that's mm-hmm. a very that's a very Supergirl way to approach that kind of storyline, and I'm I'm really excited about it. I, I think that it, it could be great. That's a really good point. That it's sort of the flip of Lex and his father. That's a cool point. I hadn't really thought about that, but that's exactly what it is. And I think that's very appropriate for a show like Supergirl, where there's a lot of strong uh, I don't want to say strong female characters because um, that's very overused. Um, but a lot of you know the the villains and the heroes are all you know, these, these lady characters who get business done. So I like that these, these two villains, I, you know, at least these two Luthers are, are women and have that same kind of dynamic. I think that's pretty cool. Supergirl is really driven by like the female characters and the women characters. So it felt very on brand for it to be like a weird Luther mother daughter dynamic instead. 
Yeah, it's interesting though because I did. I think at one point during Monday night's episode, I tweeted that the Doctor's one of the best lady villains that we've had on the show. And someone corrected me. They're like, no, uh, that would be best villains. You don't even need to put the lady in there. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I can. <laughs> we don't need the qualifier. True. Like she is one of the, she is, I think, one of the best villains, male or female. Well, and actually we haven't had a lot of male villains. I mean, there's been Reactron and Metallo and Non, but, mm-hmm. but there's been very few. And so a lot of them are women. And I think that's really cool. So, um, yeah, I think the, the doctor, I think, and this is something we'll probably get to when we talk about James, but I, what I think about, uh, cause it's sort of related to James in a way, but I, what I like about the doctor is she's not, she's not a super villain in a way of having abilities. You know, she, she can't fly. She doesn't have heat vision. She doesn't, you know, have some super suit. She doesn't have, you know, a kryptonite heart. She's just a mean lady. <laughs> like, that's what I like about her as a villain is that she has the capability to cause all this death and destruction, but she just does it because she um, has the weaponry and the know-how to do it. And I think that's, to me, that's scarier um, just because you don't know what she's going to do because she just, she's just mean. So uh, I think she's a, she's been a really good villain so far. Um, and speaking of Lena Luther, we got to go to her fundraiser that she was throwing for the Children's Hospital to try to raise money slash um, trap some uh, people with alien technology. So what did everybody think about the fundraiser aspect or and the Lena Luther character, I guess, um, in this episode? Carly, what did you think? Um, Operation Doubtfire was really funny. <laughs> I, I, well, it's funny. I think a couple of us, I think at least you and I, Rebecca, were speculating if, what, if, uh, Martian Manhunter would impersonate Kara. So, th- because Kara gets invited to the fundraiser and then Supergirl also gets invited to the fundraiser. So they have to figure out how she's going to be in two places at once. And I think we had kind of wondered if maybe they were going to pull in John Jones. Um, which interestingly, he wasn't even in this episode. I was like, "Yeah, Hank, Hank, Hank was for a little bit at the DEO." Oh, um, oh was he with, with the? Uh, I, I think with the weapons, right? When oh, they, when that's right. When they're yeah, talking about just, the alien weapons, but it was very okay. brief. Yeah, so just, but just that scene, I think. Yeah. Um, so they, so the Operation Doubtfire thing was hilarious. Um, Kara stuffing her face with pot stickers was oh hilarious. <laughs> it was so that was like a that was such a relatable moment for me. <laughs> yes, yes, I feel like I would have done that too. I'd have been like, yes, all the free food, thank you. Um, I also liked, I really liked Lena and Wynn working together. I thought that yeah, was really nice. Too. I was like, oh, I hope Lena's not completely bad then, because I mean, I know we've talked about wanting her to be a villain but i was like i kind of i kind of want her to be like friends with people too <laughs> she and win had a, a a fun little dynamic there but you know both trying to figure it out so yeah i'm i'm torn like i want lena and and her awful mother to go around doing some bad things but i mean it's still a possibility she could be she could turn out to be the good luther um, Morgan, what did you think? Of, I know you were really excited about the Lena Luther soiree. What did, what did you think about that whole uh, situation in this episode? Always very excited to see people in formal wear. So <laughs> A plus Supergirl <laughs> takes me back to my days of what, watching Gossip Girl when every day there was a party for a new thing. Um, 
No, I really liked, I think this is maybe one of my favorite Lena Luther episodes so far. And like, obviously we haven't gotten a lot of her, so there's not a lot of competition for that. But I, that moment when she like dives under the stage and I just kind of thought she was like, oh man, I'm out. Like, I'm not going to get caught in the crossfire. But really it's because she'd come up with this whole elaborate plan to like short circuit the guns and, uh, and her and Wynn are, are kind of like, working together on this machine and you kind of find out that she's got kind of the Luther mad scientist sort of gene in her as well. And and that she's figured this out. Uh, I love that moment. Like it wasn't anything that the show had telegraphed that she was like, you know, good at science or that she would like come up with contraptions, but it's such an interesting aspect of her character. I really liked that. Um, And, and I, I, I say this all the time, but her chemistry with Kara is very confusing. So when she like comes to invite her to like the party, like she like full looks Kara up and down and like bites her lip. And I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) I just feel like it's like the legacy of Smallville like lives on. It has been reborn in Supergirl. Yeah. uh, One of my favorite parts of the episode was actually all of the times that Lena just showed up places like, that was, like, a recurring theme in the episode between her and James. I was like, who who just shows up at these places? So, like, uh, Lena shows up at CatCo, and she, um, you know, invites uh, Kara to the uh, the fundraiser. And she, she comes, and it's a surprise visit. Like, Kara didn't know she was going to come. I guess if you're a Luther, you just get in. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm working under the assumption that CatCo has a policy that like, if you have visitors, you have to go down and meet them. I don't know. That's, that's just how I, I, I know of how these, uh, big things work. And so then she shows up at Kara's apartment and it's like, oh, I guess Lena Luther knows where Kara lives. <laughs> so, um, I was just laughing and, uh, Lena even says at one point, she says, I'm sorry to keep dropping in on you. And I was like, yes, that's what you're doing all of the time. So um, it doesn't seem like you're very sorry, Lena. It doesn't <laughs> seem like it. Yeah. Well, I did. I did feel uh, sympathetic towards Lena a little bit because she says that you're my only. You know, she calls Car her only friend in National City, and I, I, I thought how how very lonely for her to not have any friends in that big city, and probably a lot of people would judge her just based on her name, and so I, I guess that's why she has such a. Uh, an attachment to Kara because Kara doesn't judge her that way. So um, I thought that was uh, very interesting. And my favorite thing, Carly, I think you you touched on this a little bit about how, um, you know, the speculation about what Kara was going to do when she had to both be Kara and Supergirl at the party. And my favorite thing was right before the segment went to break, it was just Kara going, crap. (laughs) that was so so great that was so that was so superhero yeah like this the confident superhero veneer just cracked for a second and carl was like crap and then flew away yeah and it was like it went to commercial uh that yeah that was funny that was very supergirl I, i appreciated that okay and so james had a a kind of a soul-searching storyline in this episode, trying to figure out what he's meant to do. Uh, what did everyone think about James's idea, decision to sort of pursue a superhero career? Because he's not really happy at what he's doing uh, at CatCo. So, Carly, what did you think about James in this episode? 
I'm not really sure I understand the motivation behind, like all of a sudden he would just say, I'm sick of being on the sidelines and being a sidekick. I want to get in there. Um, I don't know. It, it, it doesn't feel completely natural to me. I think the two things I thought were really interesting about it were now that makes, I guess, Supergirl is the second show to portray like a vigilante hero type character as a black man in a hoodie, which I thought was really interesting. And I don't know if that was a deliberate decision. Um, Obviously, we know that's not going to be his final costume once he becomes Guardian. But the whole scene where he shows up at the Federal Reserve and he's in a hoodie and with a bat, I was like, hmm, that's an interesting visual considering like what we just got with Luke Cage. Um, and then the, I mean, honestly, the only thing I really liked about the James storyline this week was um, his interactions with Wynn. I think it's really great that you, you look at the journey of these two characters and they started out as two guys competing for the same girl. Like that was their that was their relationship to one another. They were, you know, they were part of team Supergirl, but they were basically just in it because they were both into Kara and they were kind of, you know, they weren't friends with each other. So to see the two of them finally kind of interacting one-on-one and like, you know, James shows up and he's kind of fishing for information at the DEO. Wynn figures out what he's up to shows up at Kako And, you know, he's, like, genuinely concerned for James, um, which I thought was really nice. Because I was like, it it just shows the progression of their friendship and how they've evolved beyond, like, oh, I'm in love with Kara. Oh, who's this guy, you know? Oh, you know she's Supergirl, too? Like, you know, that first scene. I think the Supergirl writers tweeted out a gif that was from their like first scene of the two of them both finding out that the other guy knew. Um, so I, I liked those scenes cause I think it just shows how far they've come. But in terms of his, in terms of James's motivations for deciding to become like a vigilante, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm really into it yet. So I I, I know I know I, I know my reasons. Uh, we'll get to me in a little bit, but do you do you think you can pinpoint why why um, you're you're not really I, buying it? Uh, I'm sure there's reasons. I I feel like I don't know. I I I just feel like it's kind of a weird it's kind of a weird timing, especially when you think about the backstory of the character and how. Like he was in Metropolis, he came to National City, and then like a year later, it's like, uh, I don't want to be a sidekick anymore. And I was like, but I don't know. It's just, and then they brought in the whole thing with his dad. I don't know. It just seems like he hasn't really talked about his dad much on the show anyway, so I don't really buy it yet. One one scene about his dad isn't doing it for you. I mean. <laughs> Come on. Uh, well, he's mentioned his dad before. Like, I know he talked about him last season, but I don't know. I feel like it's been so long since they've had any kind of conversation about that. And then they brought it up to, you know, in this episode, and you get the camera that gets broken that belonged to his dad, which I don't know if I buy that that camera belonged to his dad because it looked pretty new. <laughs> That's all I'm going <laughs> to say. Um, 
I don't know. It, it, it doesn't feel, I, I think you guys on Twitter were saying it didn't feel organic. That was a good word. <laughs> um, I, I, that's what I'm going to go with. It doesn't feel organic to me yet. I, I feel like I've got I, my position on it is like wins where I don't want him to get himself killed. So I'm glad he's going to have help. <laughs> yeah. And I appreciated that when didn't, he wasn't afraid to say that to James. He was like, dude, you're not a superhero. You don't have any powers. You could get yourself killed. Like he, he told him straight up. So I thought he was being a good friend there. Um, Morgan, what did you think about the James? Because I know you've been having some issues with James this season and, and a little bit last season. So what did you think about this whole him, him starting out uh, the vigilante business? I think on Twitter I said uh, in a reply to you, hashtag character growth, hashtag uh, so organic. Um, <laughs> it, it felt to me like the tail wagging the dog. It, it, I, I don't like it when I'm watching a show and I'm like, I know that the writers are struggling to figure out what to do with the character. And I feel like that's been James this entire time on Supergirl. And it's really unfortunate. They like they just don't seem like they know what to do with him. And so to me, this kind of reads as desperation. They're like, we don't know what to do with this character. The Carr and James romance that we pushed so hard last season, nobody's really into it. So we're just going to drop that like a hot potato. But now we have this character. We don't know what to do with him. We shoved him into like the Cat Grant, you know, job for like really randomly. Um and it doesn't seem like they really want to get into that too much right now. So instead, they're like, why don't we make him into a vigilante? I, I mean, I don't know. It just seems like a strange choice. And I don't feel like they earned it this episode. It felt this episode to me in regards to James's character felt like the premiere where Kara just like had to think outside and was like, you know what? I know I was into this guy for like a straight year, but like, eh. <laughs> and then drop the whole car and James storyline. It just seemed like they were like, you know, we just need the one episode to set this thing up or to drop this thing. And then people aren't going to keep harping on it. Like they'll just move on. But I mean, it's not good storytelling. If you're just like, we're just going to start this thing. Like we don't have to build up to it. It's just happening now. Accept it. Accept that this is happening. And I thought that weirdly enough, it was a better win episode than it was a James episode. Oh, like interesting. Carly, Carly was saying that the thing that she liked the most in that episode was the the win and the James interaction. And I thought the same thing. I thought I like these scenes not because of any of the James stuff, but because of the win and James interaction. And it just made me think about how much I. I've come to like Win when I was like when I started the show, I was really like I'd say Win negative. I just felt like that was a character in the first season that they also had no idea what to do with where they were just like his only purpose on the show was to pine after Kara and that was it. He was like nerdy and he pined after Kara and he had like no other attributes. Uh, but he's really grown into like a well-rounded character when he was talking to James about like, you know, I found what I should be doing at the DEO. And even even earlier in the episode where he's talking to Alex and he's like, oh, yeah, well, I cared about Kara's love life because I was into her. But you can tell he's like not anymore. And he makes that joke to James later where he says about Kara like dancing with Monel, where he's like, well, she didn't like either one of us. So, I mean, clearly <laughs> she's not into that guy. And I just thought it was like, you know, I just, it was a good win episode, strangely enough, considering that 
there was, you know, it should have been a bigger James episode, but I just felt like the construction of that storyline, the fact that it all happened in one episode, like when we, when we found out that they were going to do Guardian with his character, I felt like, oh, there's going to be an arc leading up to it. But no, it was just this episode. This episode was the arc. It was like his camera got like messed up and he was like, that's it. I'm snapping. <laughs> like it was like that's how abrupt it seemed. And I didn't even it didn't even register to me that the camera had gotten run over until somebody like specifically was like, Your camera, it was run over. Yeah. Like that's not like I think that's a directing problem. I had actually yeah. forgotten that James, like his camera was connected to his dad. Like I actually legit forgot about that. So I, I I can understand why you missed some things because it like, wasn't handled very was, well. At first I thought like, yeah, I know. Like I hate it when I drop like expensive electronics to James. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then he was like, you know, my father. And I was like, that's right. Because that literally one episode, you mentioned it last season. I was like, but you're, you have like, it seems like the writers have both too little and too much faith in the audience. <laughs> like they think that like, we should just accept that they're going to do this whole storyline and basically change the whole character's role in the show in one episode. But they also have faith that we're going to remember like from like the one scene last season that that was his dad's camera. I mean, we, I I mean, I I can only speak for myself, but like I I've been podcasting about this show for a while now and I forgot that that camera was connected to his father. So I, I, I do think there is a lot of faith that they put in the audience for that. Um, did you have any other thoughts, Morgan? I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, no, I think those are most of my thoughts. I just, it feels like the writers are struggling to figure out what to do with James. Like a lot of other parts of the show are really starting to gel and mesh and like work really well. And then they've got James, which they have no idea what to do with. So I think they're like, we'll make him a vigilante. That'll be exciting and cool, I guess. Because what we're doing with him now is not working. I don't know. I maybe it'll maybe it'll happen, and that'll work out for them. But I would expect that if that was the storyline that, that they decided to do, like coming into the season, that they would have given it more care in build up, and instead of just sort of dropping it randomly in one episode, and then like you know probably like the next couple episodes he's going to be like full-on vigilante mode we don't see like a decision process it's like his camera gets jacked up and he is like that's it i'm getting my baseball bat (laughs) well and even the camera thing i don't think was very good because he he directly says i couldn't even save my dad's camera and i was like so you decided to become a superhero? Like, that logic doesn't make any kind of sense to me whatsoever. It would have been great if he decided to be a superhero and he's just, like, standing with that bat outside of, like, a uh, like a camera equipment store and he's like, not again, never again. <laughs> no one will ever hurt cameras ever again. They will not get smashed. Yeah, I, I didn't understand any of that. I actually um, wrote at the top of my notes the sentence... I don't much care for the why of James Olsen becoming Guardian. And I have lots of points to that, so if you'll bear with me, uh, I'd like to get through them. Um, I'll try to go as quickly as of I course. can. Um, <laughs> but I I was pretty open-minded when I was watching this. I was trying to be like, okay, this is what they're doing. I'll see how they do it. But I don't think it was executed very well at all. The thing with his dad's camera I thought was 
like I know what they were trying to do. I know that they were trying to say that this is a sentimental thing, that it meant a lot to him. And when it got busted, that made him decide to change his life. But I was thinking about myself. You know, my dad died in 2006. I was 25 years old. I, that was a big deal in my life. It, you know, it, it really took a toll on my family. And, you know, I was trying to think of like, what, what would I have done if I had something really special of my dad that got destroyed? Would I have decided to totally change my life? I don't think so. (laughs) You know, I have a lot of things that my dad left me, but I don't think that there's anything that like, if a, you know, a, a special document or a picture or whatever got destroyed, I would be like, I'm very upset about that, but there's nothing I can do about it. You know, it's like with James, it's like your camera got busted. You can buy a new camera. Like, I know that's really crash, crass and cynical, but it's like that does not mean you have to start to become a superhero. That doesn't make any sense. And uh, he says this to when he about the camera. He says, you know, watching my dad's camera get destroyed reminded me of something. He gave me his he gave his life protecting this country. And if I do this, I can honor him. So. I was trying to think. So was James's dad in the military? I think so. I was trying to remember that, and I was too lazy to look up. I'm pretty sure he was in the military. I think the problem is that they hinge so much of this storyline. First of all, like I said before, I don't think that this should have happened in one episode. I think that's crazy for such a big change. But I think that they hinge so much of it on his relationship with his father and, and, and who that we've never of, seen who yeah who we've never seen we we haven't gotten flashbacks and we've only ever gotten that one conversation that he had with Kara about the camera that's it like if you're gonna like have a big change on this like a big emotional relationship you have to set up the relationship or else I'm like yeah it sucks about your dad's camera but like don't go out and kill yourself. <laughs> yeah, which is what Wen basically said to him. And I was just thinking, okay, he's made this connection about his dad in the military and how he wants to honor him. And I was like, well, then sign up for the army. Like, you don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to go create a secret, you know, a, a, some sort of superhero costume. You can sign up and join the military. That's, that's an option if that's what you want to do. Um, so I thought that that was really silly and the thing about how James doesn't think he can help people behind Kat's desk that that whole thing I I personally feel like when when they had that conversation I feel like the show is missing the point of Jimmy Olsen because Jimmy Olsen to me and the way I've always kind of connected him is he's sort of like Lois Lane like they're both of course Lois Lane is much more awesome but they they <laughs> are they are both those characters who they don't need superpowers their their power is their ability to get the facts get the truth tell the stories take the pictures do the things that the superheroes can't do and a lot of times in good stories they will be the more effective the more effective characters because the superheroes can just stop the bad guys but the people who actually send them to jail <laughs> are Lois Lane writing the expose on Lex Luthor that's how you get the the you know the supervillains to go to jail so in my opinion Jimmy Olsen could be the more effective character in the show because he could be the one who can get the dirt on people the uh you know the dirt on Cadmus or you know connecting dots or doing investigating and so I kind of think when they result when they resort to 
oh, well, he needs to be a superhero and fight people. I'm like, you're, you're not, you're missing the point of Jimmy Olsen as a character. And I think that's really unfortunate. And I, I think when actually tried to encourage him to, you know, he says there is no shame in helping people with knowledge. And I was like, yes, that's it. So I don't understand that whole thing. And, um, I personally think it would be just more compelling to see James be a hero without a mask. And I think I've said that before about how lazy it is that they're going this route. Um, and I, so just to confirm, I still feel like that. And, um, I also, I think someone else mentioned it, that like, why is he, why is he just now connecting that this is his calling now? I I don't understand that. And, you know, trying to explain that, Oh, he has a black belt and all of that kind of like, oh, I guess he has a black belt, he can become a superhero. Like, I'm just having a lot of problems with the justification for why this story is happening. Um, and it sounds like he's he's wanting to be a superhero out of jealousy of his friends and the capes and, and how he doesn't want to be a sidekick anymore. And I'm just like, no, these are all terrible motivations. This this sh- He should want to be a hero because he wants to help people, not because of all of these other, uh, in my opinion, silly reasons. Um, so I... And I wasn't even, I didn't even like the, the way he started his vigilante career where he went out to the Federal Reserve to stop these bad guys. Because, cl- clarify this for me, guys. So he goes to the building and he has a tussle with them. And then the guys with the alien technology turn on him, shoot the guns at a building that is full of civilians, you know, regular people. And it's pretty much because they were trying to get at James, right? So basically, James's presence caused that building to collapse. Well, indirectly resulted in the building collapsing and these people being put in danger. I was like, oh, this is, this is not helping me at all. <laughs> He's actually causing problems. So I, I have a lot of issues with this Guardian uh, storyline, and I was really hoping they would win me over with it, but I... I have to say it was not. So I guess I'm, I'm back on the board, Carly, of unpopular opinions, probably, uh, which is my rightful place uh, uh, to, to, to have an unpopular opinion. Take your throne, uh, Yes, yes. So uh, uh, my unpopular opinion for this episode is I really did not care for the way they went about the uh, Guardian storyline. Yeah, but is it an unpopular opinion if we all don't like yeah, the storyline? I, I don't think it's unpopular. It just felt... This episode, it, that storyline just felt messy. It just felt like they were, they had decided on a plot point, and they just had to get there. And, like, the journey didn't matter. They just needed to get to the end point that James is a vigilante now. I guess we're just going to have to ride it out and see what happens. Maybe <laughs> maybe it'll get better in time. Uh, but it was, a, it was a rocky start for, for Guardian. Although I did enjoy the, uh, the moment where he grabs the thing that sort of looks like the proto-shield. Um, I thought that that was a clever way to foreshadow his costume as Guardian. So there was that. I kind of liked that, but everything else was... Uh, I'm going to try not to dwell on it. Um, so let's talk about Monel in this episode, because he starts his job uh, as an intern at CatCo. What did everybody think about his uh, story in the episode? Carly, I know Monel is your new favorite character. Uh, so, uh, uh, what did you think about Monel uh, as an intern at CatCo? Ugh, <laughs> just, so, just so gross. I'm sorry. I, it's <laughs> terrible. Like, 
This is the and and I've watched the episode twice now, and it's this, I have nothing against the actor. Like this is not. I think Chris Wood is very charming. Like he's very endearing. I just my problem is that, and I think part of it also has to do with like Monel doesn't know Earth customs and he's brand new. But I'm like, he's just so, like so inappropriate. <laughs> it's like to the point where it's almost like. I feel like Kara a little bit where I'm just like the scene where she overhears him and Miss Tessmacher about to get it on in the copy room. And I'm, and I was like, Oh no. Yeah. That was pretty gross. A, that line where she's like, do you have protection? And he goes, you mean like a sword? And oh, I was yeah. like, <laughs> uh. like he tries to, he tries to sleep with her. And then I love, although he did have that great line where she, Kara says, you shouldn't be doing that in there. And he's like, I don't know. I was watching some TV show about doctors and it seemed okay there. Like <laughs> clearly making a Grey's Anatomy reference, which is hilarious because Kyler Lee used to be on Grey's Anatomy. Um, so I wonder if that, that was probably a deliberate little Easter egg. Um, but like <laughs> he like hits on Kara at the, at the fundraiser before realizing it's her. So it's just like, Mana, come on, just stop. But somehow manages to like do all the really inappropriate things, gets fired as an intern. Like he can't even do the, he can't even just do the job as an intern for one day. I did like the the part where Kara kind of has to realize like his journey is not going to be like hers was. And she has to have that little bit of, you know, the willingness to kind of step back and let him find his way, like find his own way. Um, <laughs> but I was, I was just like, there were certain times where I just cringed. Cause I was like, Oh, like you're not, you're like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad cause it doesn't really seem like there's the show is trying to get them together at all. Like I'm still really hoping for that. Um, but there were there were moments where I was like, I don't like your behavior. It's not great behavior. No, he is he is very uh, almost like frat boy, like the the stereotype yes. of what a frat boy yeah. is. So I think at one point I said he's like he's like peak white male privilege because he like <laughs> just wants to sit in caco and eat candy and not do any work. Look, that's then, the like, that's the dream. Let's the let's dream. be honest. <laughs> that is, I'd be fair to Mono. That is the dream. That's true. I, I, I did like the line where she's like, there is a time and a place for, for candy. He's like, I agree here and now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was good. But then uh, the other part was like, he Miss Tessmacher gave him her credit card and he like bought a bunch of nice clothes with it. Like there were certain things I was like, that's not okay. Well, like he's clearly taking advantage of this poor young woman. Well, to be fair, maybe he didn't know that he wasn't supposed to do that. I don't know. Maybe nobody explained to him how credit cards work. I, I think there's oh, some no, people... Oh, no, he's watching Grey's Anatomy. Well, that's, <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. Maybe he should be picking some things up. No, I under I understand uh, some of your qualms. I had some of those myself. Um, Morgan, what did you think about Monel in this episode? Yeah, I wasn't as down on him as Carly was, but... Uh... Yeah, he was he was terrible, but he was supposed to be terrible. Uh, and and I liked that moment where um, where Kara and Alex have the whole conversation about how Alex was kind of trying to force Kara to be 
the kind of person that she was, and she had to sort of learn to let that go and let Kara go in her own way. So Kara kind of had to be like, okay, I guess you're just going to be a gross frat boy for a while, and I'm just going to have to hope that you become a decent person. <laughs> like, she had to, like, let go of the reins and be like, fine, eat the candy and go to the strip clubs. I can't do anything for you. <laughs> but, wait, yeah. wait, are we going to talk about how National City apparently has a strip club and it's included in the, like, guide to I the love city? I love that it's a guide in the city. It's like, now, and now for the finest strip clubs. <laughs> Oh, yeah. They are proud of their strip clubs at National City. How dare you? She, like, rips the page out. She's like, we're going to take that one out. (laughs) (laughs) They got a whole page of advertising in there. (laughs) I guess. Dang. It's like like a National City after dark. Yeah. (laughs) I just love that he couldn't even be an intern for, like, one day. He was, like, who knows if he was even getting paid. Like, he might have been an unpaid intern, and he couldn't even make it. Well, I, I give him a little grace on that because how would I expect if I if I had a friend who just came to Earth, like he just popped up on the planet and I expected him to just adapt to our work culture in, in like a couple, I don't know how long it's been, like days, weeks? I don't know how long well, I he's... Thought it, yeah, I thought it was also funny because I don't know if it was last episode, but it was definitely like last episode of the episode before where they were like don't leave the DEO. And then like this episode, she's like putting a bow tie on him and going like, go out to, it's time to go to work. And he like clearly doesn't know basic stuff. Like what a phone is, how (laughs) it works. What are phone calls? You know, like that, like coffee. Like he doesn't know like basic stuff. Like she thought it was appropriate to have him start working at like a corporation when he doesn't know what a phone is. Like I was like, while Monel is, is definitely kind of a tool. Some of this is on you, Kara. Yeah, yeah. She hasn't been the best mentor, and I think she does realize that towards the end of the episode, which which I really like. I think she, she just had to learn how to do it. And I like that there were moments in the episode that Kara got really frustrated with him. Like, she was like, oh, I'll, I'll go deal with it. I'll handle it. So I appreciated that she took responsibility for him, even though he was causing a lot of chaos. But I... I would agree with Carly that I don't necessarily want to see Cara and Monel in a romantic relationship. I don't I wouldn't mind it. I'm with I'm with Morgan that if it happens, fine. Uh, but uh, I kind of like their mentor mentee uh, dynamic so far. And uh, I do like it when they have a little bit of comedy in there of like him adjusting to earth and i liked the bit where we got to see Kara use her heat vision on him i guess was she cutting his hair or giving him a shave i i wasn't quite clear <laughs> on that um but either way she was helping helping him with his his hair um i i thought that was great and um i thought it was funny that he eats a stack of pancakes like a hamburger um why why don't we eat pancakes like that um good good call monel <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> Monel is figuring stuff, some stuff out. He's, he's really correcting some of our, our earthling habits. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I, I do also appreciate from a writing standpoint that they justified why they gave him glasses as a secret identity that Kara was like, just in case he becomes a superhero, we'll need to have a secret ID for him. Um, so I, I did think some of that was really funny. But uh, the one thing I thought was really interesting um, about Monel is that Kara, she makes the comment that, quote, like, 
it's never he's never worked a day in his life. And I was like, oh, is Carly's theory about him being the Prince of Daxum, is that something that could come true? I started thinking about that because maybe he hasn't really worked a day in his life. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe this work thing is new to him because he's always had servants. So I don't know, Carly. I'm, I'm open to your, your theory uh, because they did uh, make that mention of it. Yeah, it just seemed like he was all too willing to, to shove the work off on somebody else. Yeah. Like if he was really a servant, he would have, he would have been like, oh yeah, this is, you know, I'm cool with doing the papers or whatever it was that he was, you know, given the job to do. Yeah. He would have more of a, a, a work ethic. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, and, uh, Alex had, uh, a couple of big scenes in this episode. She's kind of continuing to, uh, hang out with Maggie Sawyer. So, uh, what does everybody think about Alex in this episode? Carly, we'll start with you. It was really good. Um, I saw a lot of people online today talking about the episode and, uh, several, uh, stories that were being shared, several anecdotes. Apparently, you know, I think I think for a lot of younger audience members, this is like a really good storyline for them to see. Um, you know, because it's a character who kind of was under the impression uh, that she was a certain way for a reason. And then starting to realize like, Oh, well maybe that's, maybe it's not what I always thought that I, you know, like maybe the truth is there's not really anything wrong with me. It's just that this is who I am, you know, after all. So I thought it was interesting that she didn't officially like come out. Um, she kind of had this scene with Maggie in the end at the, at the bar where they were totally playing like a kissing song. It's like, this is makeout music, Supergirl. <laughs> um, and you know, she tells Maggie, she doesn't really say like, she doesn't actually come out and say I'm gay, but she basically says, you know, I think that you were right in what you said about me, which basically Maggie had earlier in the episode kind of said, Oh, I didn't know you when you were into girls when, you know, when Alex asked her to hang out or whatever. Um, but it's, it's, it's also an interesting thing because I think currently out of the, out of the DC TV shows, the only other, well, there's, there's, uh, Curtis on arrow and then, um, is gay. And then, uh, isn't, uh, on the flash, isn't it? Captain Singh is gay. Yes. He's, yes. he's married to another man and then, or engaged or something. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, with the, with the timelines that Barry keeps screwing yeah. up, who, who knows what's happening now. <laughs> and then on legends of tomorrow, Sarah has been in relationships with women, but I don't think she's ever actually said like, I'm gay or at the very least said I'm bisexual. So they haven't actually said, like... Yeah, I don't think that they've ever had Sarah, like, label herself. Yeah. Say, like, I'm bisexual. I just think that it's... I mean, it's not even implied. Like, she's had relationships with men, and she's had relationships with women. And, like, on on both Arrow and on uh, Legends of Tomorrow, it's very clear that she's, you know, attracted to both. But, no, I don't... I can't remember any time where she's been, like, you know as a bisexual like <laughs> right well she hasn't but like i know she's like she told nissa that she loved her and like 
but I think Supergirl, I mean, I mean, Supergirl basically came out and said, you know, that basically said like, well, Alex initially denied it. She's like, oh no, I'm not gay. But I'm wondering if they're kind of leading up to like a coming out scene where she'll say the words. And I'm actually, uh, my, my, my hope and my prediction is that she comes out first to Kara. Um, Cause they did have the moment in the episode where she, I think she was on the verge of saying it. And then Lena showed up. So it'll be interesting. I think, honestly, I think it would be really important for a character to actually say that. Um, but I saw a lot of anecdotes of audience members, you know, apparently there were some families watching the episode last night and I saw at least one or two uh, parents share anecdotes online about their daughters who were watching the episode and were like, had questions afterwards. And so like it fosters, it's fostering really important conversation, I think. Um, which is really great. And I think it's telling an important story for Alex, but it's also a really great way to um, illustrate like a coming out story just in general. And I mean, everybody's, you know, everybody's is different obviously, but it's, it's showing that, you know, you can have that kind of a revelation about yourself at any time really. So I don't know. I think it's really important, and I think the show has done a really great job of handling it. I like that it's been kind of a slow burn for her and Maggie. I don't think they're, it's not, I don't think the show is necessarily going to jump into them being in like a relationship next week. Um, I think this is something where it sounds like the showrunners are going to try to kind of have her, her friendship with Maggie as like, something that kind of converges with her, just her learning about herself, but they may not necessarily start dating. It might just be more like her interacting with Maggie kind of helps her to find things, find things out about herself. Yeah. I was, I was really kind of confused about the timeline of this because even though it, it feels like a slow burn, like Alex mentioned something about, Oh, Maggie's not acting like herself. Now she seems vulnerable or whatever she says. And I'm like, how long have you known like, Maggie? Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. When, when, I, when I first meet somebody like, and become friends with them, like, I don't know that I can immediately like, tell that they're acting vulnerable within a couple of weeks. Maybe they've been hanging out a lot. I have to wonder if it's longer than like a week between episodes because you had Maggie getting ready to go on a date in one episode and then the and, next yeah, week then was she's, she's in, a in a relationship yeah and then with this a, week she's heartbroken because yeah. she broke up with her girlfriend who presumably i thought like they had just started dating in the last episode so i was like either she like formed an attachment like real fast or <laughs> or there's more time between these episodes than i would have thought yeah, I'm just going to assume that, like, there's some stuff that's been happening that we don't see. That they're, that I don't think it's like a, oh, this happened, you know, this episode is the next day or whatever. So I'm just, I'm just going to, for the sake of this story, just assume that things maybe have uh, been happening for a while. And, and then I can accept it a little better. <laughs> it's just like, ah. Yeah, it was, it was funny. I picked that up, too. But, like, for, for me, that seemed like the, like, 
kind of the, the all the signs pointing to how like sprung on Maggie she was where she was like usually she's so tough and cool and now she's so vulnerable and I like wanted Wynn to turn around and be like how long have you known her <laughs> like <laughs> it just it just seemed like something that you would say about somebody who you're like you know who you're obsessing about a little bit too much like she doesn't really know Maggie that well but she's like putting so much on Maggie because she heard that Maggie was single and like suddenly the wheels started turning and she's like I don't know why I care so much but I care so much <laughs> <laughs> that's probably true uh Morgan do you have any other thoughts about the uh Alex portion of the episode Oh, yeah. Like, I think that the the Alex portion of the episode was, like, hands down my favorite part of the episode. It was just so well done. And I like the way that they've been sort of building up to it. I mean, we've been talking about it for, like, the past couple of, of weeks. But you could kind of tell in, like, the first couple of episodes that, like, Alex was like, huh, hello. <laughs> um, and then, like, her just kind of slowly coming to the realization that that is what had been happening. I think that she had been hanging out with Maggie and not realizing, like, how attached she was getting and, like, that it wasn't just, like, a friendship that she was forming. Like, she was, like, way too invested in this girl's love life. <laughs> like, when she, when Maggie's like, oh, I just, you know, I had a bad breakup and suddenly, suddenly Alex is like, in her face like tell me all about it tell me about all of your she feelings. runs over she literally yes. runs over she's like oh my gosh i'm so sorry and i'm like girl you thirsty it was <laughs> like, so funny it was like the, somebody put up the bat signal and she just like turned around she was like i'm sorry did you say you're single <laughs> like, it was just so good because you could see her acting like a complete crazy person without realizing that that's what she was doing and like other people were picking up that this was like strange behavior. Like when she's just like sitting there texting, smiling at her phone and Wynn is like, why are you being so weird? She's like, nothing. It's just, I want to tell you all about like my casual acquaintances love life. <laughs> and you can tell me what you think about that. And he's like, this is too much. I want to get out of this conversation. <laughs> I would like to unsubscribe from this conversation. <laughs> it was like a whole episode of like Alex Danvers being too intense. Like it was like Alex Danvers, no chill. And I, I really liked that because, like, I felt like the audience, at least for me, I was, like, already, I already could see what was happening, like, way before Alex got, like, be, like started, the wheels started turning in her head that, like, oh, oh, I think I know what this is about. Like, she was so obvious before she even knew what she was being obvious about. And I really liked that. Um, I, I love that scene when she's outside of, like, car's door like just sadly eating a donut and like going like I think I'm figuring some weird stuff out about myself (laughs) just like a thousand yard stare just shoving a donut into her face it's like it just felt so real for Alex like yeah that would be how she handles like just like an earth shattering revelation about herself that like maybe she's always kind of had something in the back of her head and I just loved the way that they handled that her her scene with Maggie because I feel like when we see these coming out stories, especially on television, they're usually in like the teen show or like the high school show. We very rarely see somebody come out like later in life. And it felt like that, that scene was so true to her and, and like how she was feeling. And I'm sure probably how a lot of people have felt. And, you know, when you only see one thing portrayed on TV, sometimes when you see another, like another angle on it, you're like, 
wow, that feels so new and different, but it's just that like nobody else has really told that story before. Uh, and I think that they did a really good job. I read an interview with, um, with I think it was uh, Greg Berlanti or maybe Ali Adler. It was one of the two um, um, for the show, and they were talking about having made that decision about Alex maybe in season one, but not de- deciding it wasn't the right time to to have her come out because I guess probably because so much stuff was going on in season one and I guess they hadn't planned for it in the season uh, and how they really wanted to explore this in season two. And they wanted to explore the idea of her coming out like later in life. And, uh, and I think we're going to see in her relationship with Maggie, like her putting a lot of pressure on that relationship, which I think is also kind of true. Like she's going to like hang her whole identity now onto this, like this, whatever it is between her and Maggie. And I think that's going to be really intense for Maggie to deal with. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. The hook in for me in this storyline is Kyler Lee's performance. I think she did a, a really good job of you know, those kind of, those kind of looks, those nonverbal cues that you can pick up on. Like, I think you mentioned Morgan that, um, you know, you can feel what Alex is feeling without her having to say anything. So, uh, kudos to Kyler Lee for, uh, being able to portray those feelings and, and make it real and palpable. Um, my thing about, um, I was sort of laughing and I, I hope, I hope this isn't too weird to laugh about, but, um, when Maggie is explaining why her girlfriend dumped her, she's like, she she dumped me for being hard-headed, insensitive, obsessed with work, and borderline so- sociopathic. And I was like, what has gone on in their relationship? <laughs> yeah, I had so many questions. I was like, wait, I feel like, Alex, I know that you're like really into this girl, but you might want to rewind that conversation and find out some more details. And said she was like, oh, she's crazy. It's like, I don't know, Alex. You might want to find out what happened. I mean, ask some questions. If someone says borderline sociopathic, you might Just a want a couple to... quick follow-ups, yeah. maybe. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, "What is going on with Maggie?" Um, so, uh, and that could be totally biased. The the girlfriend who we have no idea what her name is, what her story is, she might have been crazy and was throwing that on Maggie. I don't know. I can't make any judgments, but I, I just thought that was a that was some interesting details that came out of that. Um, I was like, I, I want to know more information about this. Um, so uh, I, I did think the, uh, the, the way Kyler performed it was, was very good. And um, I, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what comes out of it. And I think that, um, uh, I do think, Carly, that she will probably talk to Kara first. And I think that's the appropriate way for the story to move forward and for Alex you know, to I, I think Cara should be the first person that she um, kind of goes to after she's ta- had her talk with Maggie. So that'll be something to kind of keep our eyes on as the season progresses. Um, but in terms of just the overall episode of Crossfire, what did everybody think? Uh, was it a good episode? Was it a bad episode? Uh, Carly, what'd you think? It was good. Um, I liked it overall. I think the Alex and the uh, doctor stuff uh, kind of won out for me over the Monel and the James stuff. <laughs> um, so the good outweighed the bad. I, I'm curious to see it. I mean, the big twist at the end was pretty much uh, the best, the best, best part, but 
We'll see what happens, I guess. I, uh, I'm, I'm hoping we get some more like Martian stuff soon. Um, cause I missed, I missed, uh, Martian Manhunter and Miss Martian this week. We, le- we right. left off on her being the white Martian and we didn't really, we haven't seen her <laughs> since. So, but yeah, it was good. It was, there were a lot of really good, uh, humor moments and, and, silly scenes and there were some really good emotional beats too yeah i think it was a really good uh balance uh, all around um morgan what did you think about this episode i really liked it i i don't think that the james stuff really worked for me um but it seems like they're just plowing on full steam ahead so i think it kind of remains to be seen how they do it now that they've you know started it um but I really liked, I loved the fundraiser stuff. I loved the stuff with the doctor and the reveal. That was so cool. Um, everything Alex Danvers in this episode was um, just amazing. Alex is my little shining star. So um, I have to give the episode a good grade just for that. But I, I thought it was really enjoyable. I liked the way that they balanced some of the plot lines and, um, and sort of progressed more of the characters in this one. Yeah, I liked uh, the, I mean, the Doctor reveal was awesome. It was good to see her uh, back doing her villain thing. I liked the Lena stuff. I actually did like the Monel stuff, even though a little bit of that was gross. Um, I did not quite care for the James thing. I, that's a, probably a nice way to put that. Uh, but I also, just the little things about Kara in this episode, I just, I was just reminded how much I love Melissa Benoist in this role and how much I'm glad that I can watch the show and feel connected to Kara, to feel connected to Supergirl. Cause that's, that's, that's something that uh, I, I think that that should always be the goal for these episodes. And just like Carly, you mentioned before when she was stuffing her face at the, the party, uh, I was just like. I want to. I don't want to necessarily hang out with Supergirl. I want to hang out with Kara and be like, Kara, <laughs> let's go to that party and get all the free food we can and just eat till we are sick. Um, that I, I was just like that. That is one of my favorite things because that that also reminded me of Liz Lemon on Thirty Rock, and Liz Lemon for me <laughs> is like the closest that any TV character has ever come to actually being me on television. <laughs> um, and if you ever watch 30 Rock, you'll probably see that. Um, but so the fact that Kara reminded me of Liz Lemon made me really happy. And the fact that Kara is an NSYNC fan, I was like, yes, Kara, yes. Um, so I, I've actually, um, confession time, I saw NSYNC in concert one time when I was in college. Um, and I loved it. So confession time, Rebecca's an NSYNC fan. You can quote me on that. I'm not ashamed of it. I like NSYNC. Um, so I was, <laughs> was glad to see that Cara um, uh, also enjoyed their musical talents. So uh, I, I enjoyed this episode for the most part. The, the James stuff, uh, it, needs to, it needs to be worked out a little better. But everything else I uh, really enjoyed. Um, in this episode. So I think that's going to do it for our discussion. So uh, let's find out what our listeners had to say about Crossfire. At Stinko407 says, I hope they take the Alex slash Maggie thing slowly. Also, I'm glad Kara calmed down with Monel. Spazzy Kara made me anxious. <laughs> At Little Hopi says, I'm not sure if I like what they're doing with James the Grown Man Olsen, but otherwise loved the episode. At Madtown Davidson says, that was a good episode that deepened the Cadmus plot in interesting ways. Also, Operation Doubtfire was fun. <laughs> At Rantasmo1 says, 
I was glad that they showed Lena Luther to be scientifically adept and practical. At Corey Marie 21 says, this episode certainly didn't diminish my Lena Cara ship at all. <laughs> at Chris Fundalinski says, Brenda Strong is so great as the evil doc. So confident in a psycho way. <laughs> at B Rogers 789 says, I am so unbelievably happy for Alex. Season two of Supergirl has wildly surpassed my expectations. Uh, we received an email from a listener named uh, Samaya who asked, does Lena know that Kara is Supergirl? So anybody have any thoughts on that? I would guess not. Um, it doesn't seem like it. And uh, honestly, if if we couldn't get Cat Grant like on her way out the door going like, by the way, I know you're Supergirl. Like I don't, ex- <laughs> I, do- I don't accept Lena um, figuring it out this fast. Yeah, it might be a little too early, but she did seem to know at least that, well, I guess Kara had maybe mentioned Supergirl previously, so I guess she knew that Kara had a Supergirl connection. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's something something to uh, keep watching just to see if she gives anything away. Well, we have another email about Lena Luther from our friend Andy over at the Flash Podcast. He writes, quote, Look, a storyline reveal that wasn't spoiled in advance by a CW press event. I know, Andy. I'm so excited about that. That's why it was such a great reveal. It's because I had no idea it was coming. Um, And Andy goes on to say, Now, whether Brenda Strong's character is a full-on Luther or has a different last name, I'm worried that it might be too much to have two Luthers on the show and might overshadow Lena. The whole point of Lena moving out to National City was to make a name for herself, and now with this reveal, I feel it might cause a possibly unnecessary obstacle for her. What do you ladies think? Unquote. So, um, does anyone have any thoughts about having two Luthers on the show and if it will overshadow Lena as a character? I, I don't, yeah, I don't know about that. I, I think that there's enough room for two Luthers in, in this, uh, in this show. And, depending on whether or not they go the evil route with Lena, um, there is a possibility that we, we just get her mom as sort of this, this evil and she's maybe not evil for a while or not evil at all. So I think that there's a, now that, now that there's another Luther in town, I feel like there's a a greater possibility that maybe Lena's on the up and up, at least for now than there was before when I was like, girl, you got some red lipstick. You're wearing black. I know what you're about. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Carly, do you have any thoughts on uh, Lena Luther being uh, being one of two Luthers on the show? Yeah, I mean, I think it's nice to, for the show to bring in uh, a Luther, you know, Mrs. Luther, because we've only really seen in previous, like, live action. Uh, we haven't really seen much of her character in previous like live action versions. It's been predominantly like their father. So if anything, I'm kind of excited that they're taking it in this direction. Cause I, you know, we haven't really seen like Mrs. Luther on Smallville. We got a little bit of Lillian Luther, um, who, uh, who was a little bit of a, a she was a little, crazy pants um so, so uh, she uh she was she was in there a little bit but this is this is a uh, as far as i understand a little bit of a, a different take not like a substantial villain i think that it's funny that uh we've kind of been talking about how lena could possibly be a good luther and how that might make her 
stand out from the pure evil that is the doctor. Uh, But I was thinking about, and I'm probably one of maybe five people who watch the show, but I was thinking about V that was on ABC uh, with one of my favorite actresses, Elizabeth Mitchell, and also Laura Vandervoort, who was Supergirl on Smallville. Um, I was thinking about (laughs) the uh, mother-daughter dynamics of uh, villainous characters, and in that show, the, uh, spoiler alert for a show that was on the air like six years ago, um, <laughs> uh, Laura Vanderbilt's character, who was kind of the the daughter to Marina Baccarin's character, she killed, uh, no, uh, well, she tried to kill her mother. She was the, the good character who tried to kill uh, Marina Baccarin's character. And Marina Baccarin's character actually was the daughter of uh, the another character who was kind of an evil lady. Uh, so so you had three... This is, this is taking too long. This is a very complicated explanation. Main thing is, there's a daughter on V who kills her mother. And I was thinking about how Lex Luthor will oftentimes in these stories kill his father so there's two possibilities here with lena that i think might happen either she stays good and she's the total opposite of the doctor who is the evil luther or maybe sometime down the season lena is the good 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 luther but then at some point she's forced or she either chooses to kill her evil doctor mother and becomes bad as a result so I think what, what I'm trying to say is that I think they're two totally different Luthers, no matter what the option is, what the end result is. I think they're so different that it's not going, one isn't going to overshadow the other because they have different characteristics and they could possibly have two different paths. So um, I'm actually not too worried about it. And Andy ends his email with, quote, P.S. Morgan, I lied to you last week. I am not adding five shows to the DC TV Podcast Network. I am adding ten. Have fun plugging, unquote. So, no. <laughs> um, so just uh, keep that in mind uh, next time you have to read all of our, our, our blogs. That's okay because I've been working on my breathing exercises. I'm ready. <laughs> Good. Preparation. Always key. We have an email from Lynn who writes, Hello again from your friendly neighborhood linguist. I heard you speculate that perhaps the president's name was hinting at her being an alien. My guess is that her name was chosen as an Easter egg style tribute to Wonder Woman's creator, William Moulton Marston. Perhaps the change in spelling was precisely to give it a more alien feel. Uh, First of all, I love that we have like a Supergirl radio linguist. Uh, (laughs) I think we're going to have to make Lynn, especially since I'm trying to work on my vocabulary, Lynn, send me some good uh, big words that I need to know. But I think we're I think we're going to officially need to make Lynn uh, the Supergirl radio linguist. Um, But I think that's a cool idea that maybe President Marsden is maybe named uh, after uh, Wonder Woman creator William Moulton Marsden. That's a that's a cool theory. That is cool. Our last email comes from a listener named Low Lottie Lab, who wrote, Crossfire was such an important episode for so many reasons. The plot advanced with the reveal of Lena being the doctor's daughter, James got his introduction to his vigilante career, and Monal got to enter our society. 
But more importantly, Alex learned something new and scary about herself. And I can't thank Kyler Lee, uh, Floriana Lima, and all the crew of the show enough for handling this with such realism and truth. And because I'm going through the exact same thing as Alex at the exact same time, this is even more important for me. The final scene in the bar made me cry instantly because I felt understood and supported. If this show was important before, it it just became necessary for a lot of people. I'm so grateful that Greg Berlanti and Ali Adler are there to make sure these characters are handled with respect and dignity. I can relate to seeing something on TV and connecting with it because... Uh, there's a long story about like um, my cancer journey and me watching Arrow, an episode of Arrow that uh, connected me to the Laurel Lance character. So I think there's a lot of power in um, seeing yourself in characters who are struggling and who uh, can show you that you have the power to overcome that. And I, I think that's a really magical thing that happens with the TV shows and movies. And I, I think that's always a, a really cool thing about storytelling is that, you know, it, it they're fictional stories, fictional shows, fictional characters, but they can help you see things about yourself that you can take with you that can empower you. So I, I, th- I think that's a, a cool story. And um, I, I really appreciate uh, this email for, for sharing that. It was such a powerful story. It was it was definitely my favorite in the episode, and they and they've handled it so well, and and they're handling it so respectfully. And I'm I'm really excited to see where um, where Alex's story goes this season. All right. Well, thanks everybody for sending in your feedback. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play and iHeartRadio, and you can check out our Spotify playlist. Uh, We have become a literal Supergirl Radio, uh, so check out our our playlist on Spotify. We are available on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you have time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write a review. And we are part of the DC TV Podcast Network, so if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, DC Films, and classic DC TV shows, subscribe to our DC TV Podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV Podcast on Twitter and like DC TV Podcast on Facebook. Very, very good. Ooh, I did it. <laughs> uh, well, you can follow me on Twitter at Derby Kid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. I'm also on Instagram at The Derby Kid. That's T-H-E-D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. And you can watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash DuckMilkProd. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at my name, Carly Lane. Uh, and I am weekend editor over at The Mary Sue, which you can visit at TheMarySue.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-A-S-T-I-C. Uh, you can find some of my writing on Buddy TV. And I'm also one of the co-hosts of the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. So you should check that out. Well, if you would like to hang out for a quick spoiler section, we'll be doing that after our theme music. But until then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Carly Lane. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And pro tip, don't take a baseball bat to an Andranian photon cannon fight.
There's something you need to see. He's mutated. Have you ever seen anything like it? No. He killed them all. The more he absorbs, the more dangerous he is. It's not him! We're out of time, man. Oh! Last chance. And we are back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl. The next episode is called Changing. The official description reads, quote, The Guardian debuts to lend a hand after a parasite alien drains Supergirl of her power. Monel considers a less than desirable new career, which then leads him to contemplate his motives. And Alex struggles with a new reality, unquote. So, uh, Carly, what in this episode description excites you uh, most about next week's episode? More about Alex. That's exciting. Uh, Supergirl is going to be taken down again. So I guess that's going to be the final or maybe the the first kind of uh, catalyst for Guardian jumping into the fray officially. Um, so that'll also be interesting. I am intrigued to see what his final costume looks like on screen. So I also wonder how long it's going to be before Kara finds out. Like how long they're going to stretch that storyline out. Yeah, I wonder if he'll have a, a secret identity for one episode. <laughs> she, and she won't know who he is. Um, Morgan, what are you, what are you uh, excited about in this description? Yeah, I'm excited uh, about the, the Alex storyline. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, it, it hopefully we'll have some fun stuff with Monel. I don't know what that, what his less than desirable new career means. So <laughs> question mark, question mark. Um, I, and I'm, I'm interested to see where they're going to go with the James guardian storyline. Um, because I, I want to like it, but I just don't right now. So, um, maybe I'm hoping that they'll bring me around in the next episode, but we'll see. Yeah, I am uh, not really looking forward to the Guardian thing. The Monel thing does pique my interest uh, because we mentioned the strip club thing, and that uh, popped in my head. Uh, I don't think they're going to go there, but I, it was just something I, I was <laughs> laughing about it in my he head. Finds, he finds the rip page, and he's like, oh, they're hiring. I was like, well, I don't know. Some people might consider that less than desirable. Um, but uh, maybe he's he's finding his, his career, what he wants to do. Um, but the thing that is exciting to me is that Supergirl is going to go up against Parasite. And in the trailer, in the promo for it, it, Parasite looks pretty good. Parasite is a, a, a Superman villain, um, and uh, he is is kind of an interesting character. And I think he's being played by the guy, uh, I forget the actor's name, but he played Ethan on Lost. And, oh, man, anytime I see that actor, I'm like, that guy's up to no good. He is up <laughs> to no good. So I uh, am looking forward to seeing him on TV again. And uh, I think the effects look pretty good. So I'm very excited to see a Supergirl take on Parasite. Well, I think that's uh, going to do it for our, our discussion about the next episode. So thanks for listening. And we'll be back with another episode discussion next time on Supergirl Radio.